0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Rosenballs. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about GMing and, and clever GMs and all this such. I want to talk about just rotations. Uh, and this is sort of like, like an aside of, of a lot of topics, but using a couple teams as an example of how you construct rotations. So what are the motifs that you need to comment on the NBA? Well, you're taking a, a further step back. As the head coach, one of the biggest impacts you have is actually on your rotation? Right, and this notion, which is totally true in basketball, if you ever played it, is it's really important to get the right five, you know, man unit uh, that makes sense together. Okay, uh, and ideally, you want to make sure you you spread that unit out, right? You have always strong five man units on the court at every single time in the game because every minute counts, right? Like, you know, why have your worst players? Uh, at at one point, right? Why have your worst players in the second or third quarters? Those matter too, um, and and if they and, and you're telling me, well, no, it matters closer to fourth quarter. Then why do we start our our, our our you know why do we have starters and all that? So I I want to you know poke a hole in it, and this is something more of like a a challenging established beliefs thing, uh, which obviously is the you know, we've seen the sports over time. So let's talk about it further. So let's talk first about the concept of a starting lineup. So one of the things that exists now, most teams do, is they more or less, and not every team, but most teams, uh, start their best five players, and they try to form-fit their best five players in a starting lineup. right? So let, let's go through you know, any example. Um, the Atlanta Hawks project a starting lineup next year, as an example, is supposed to be uh, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Capella. That's looking like to be their starting lineup. Um, and now, interestingly or not, right? Um, that lineup, um, that's their, those are the five best players. So, and now you can say, like, okay, those are five best players, great. Let's get that right. Let's play them as much as possible. Maybe. But the other thing you have to think about, let's individualize that for a second. Are all five guys? Are you maxing each one out? Let's say if they all play together all the time, right? So if all those five guys, let's just call make it simple, are playing thirty-three minutes each, are they best suited to play all thirty-three minutes together? Let's individualize it for a little bit. So first of all, if Young, let's let's go through each player. Young in that scenario, where where is Young? Where is Trey Young his best? And is he somewhat close to that in this scenario? Well, Trey Young, we know. Let's go off with the defense for him. He's at his best if he's got a high usage, which means he's occupying probably close to 30% of possessions. The offense is running through him. And what other counterparts is he good with? Well, he you know he can play a little off the ball, so he could be good with another person that could create. But you don't want too much creation because he needs that 30% usage. And then how do we help him defensively? Well, defensively, we know, is a weakness. So we have to mask him a little bit with with, with perimeter-oriented defenders. So Trey Young in that starting five uh, is in a near-optimal scenario, okay? I'd argue the one thing to, to nitpick there is, you know, all those minutes with DeJounte Murray because, again, offensively, he doesn't need Murray that much. You know, he obviously, Murray helps him create a little bit. But Collins and Hunter could do a little bit of creating just enough that, that helps him play a little bit off the ball. So he doesn't need Murray for that. What he needs Murray more for is on the defensive side and Hunter, right? And they got Capella there. So they got three-plus defenders to mask Young, right? But Young, and here's what I would say, is needs to be absolutely your worst defender in a unit. If he's flirting with your second-best defender, that's trouble. So, John Collins is the guy that you got to be worried about a bit. Now, him and Collins work really well in in a pick-and-roll tandem and a lob tandem. So, you you know, you you have that. But it's not as close to the idea. But still, I think Young works in that starting five. Okay. What about DeJounte Murray? So, I would argue um, that, you know, Murray also, like Young, he had a 27% usage rate. So... Again, let's go to usage for a second. So, obviously, if you take... There's five players in a unit. So, and usage, by the way, means you end the possession. So, typically, someone with a higher usage means they're occupying more possessions, more of the flow is going with them, right? And end of the possession means it's either an assist, you made the fugal attempt, or you got to the free throw line, right? Or you turned the ball over. Those are the, the classic, those are the ways that you end a possession, typically. So, it's a good use of... Good notion of who's, who the possession is kind of going through, right? But point guards are, are always going to index high for usage because they have the ball more, even off-the-ball point guards. So guys like George Hill or Mike Connolly still flirt with the 20% usage because they're just dribbling it so much that they tend to have a lot of possessions end with them. So a an average usage point guard is probably about 25%. They're already at 25%. So anything think above twenty five means they're a little more usage. So DeJounte Murray is a little more. He's at twenty seven. Now he's going to play a wing, so that could go down and work. But he's probably better suited to also kind of be the point guard right now with Young. So him and Young, I, I I don't think they could definitely play well together. But they are probably maximized if you split them up to start the game, so that they could they can actually dominate their own units, if you will, or be the main usage guy with their units, and also play some together. They they they, they combo both. So that's in Young and Murray. Now, now defensively, Murray's a stud, so he doesn't need anybody masking anything for him. So that's besides the point. That was a case for Young to mask a weakness. Let's keep going. DeAndre Hunter. So Hunter is an interesting one. This is where gets, it gets unique um, in this conversation. Hunter is actually probably best suited as a small ball four. Now, he's, he should be more of a primary four and can play the three versus a three who could play the four. I'll explain the difference, right? You want him in more minutes playing the four, and then in tandem minutes with Collins, then could, he could, you know, switch back to the three. But by starting at the three, he's already likely going to have far more minute allocation two to the three. And the difference is, at the four, he could take players off the dribble. His offense opens up. His defense still stays the same. He's still going to be his element of defense uh, at either slot, but it's his offense that really opens up. He's going to get more perimeter opportunities and be able to take advantage of that at the four, and then hold his own even more so defensively. So you're, it, It's almost like, you know, I always say this, right? It's a baseball analogy, but if you're signing like Mike Messina, you want to be able to use his knuckle curve, right? It's when the Cavs got Kevin Love in that deal, uh, when they had LeBron, Kevin Love, and, and this same case with Chris Bosh, when you played with LeBron, got relegated to being an off-the-ball big man spacer. Those guys could do more things, both Love and Bosh. Bosh was able to take his man off the dribble. Love could be a post player. But if you're playing with LeBron, he's got a high usage. You're only really utilizing your off-the-ball capabilities. We're not taking advantage of your full effect, which is also with Bosh taking the man off the dribble and Love in the post. That's my point. You want to take advantage of your best talents, full effect. That's what the purpose of this is. So with Hunter, you're not taking advantage of his full effect offensively if he's playing the three. Because he's not so much unique. His quickness doesn't make him that unique against other threes, even with that size. He can kind of shoot over them, but it's not that unique. It's really special at the four. So Hunter, you're not getting the full effect. That, that's a guy, right? Collins. Let's go to John Collins. John Collins has is, 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 is got some similarities here with Young because of his, his weakness on D. So Collins, again, for Collins to be effective on offense, he works well with that starting five. Totally does. He's got people that give him lob threats. Great. Young's giving me a lob threat. Uh, and Murray's going to be a good lob threat for him. Fantastic. Right? But his usage goes way down because he's in a lineup now with both Murray and Young. Remember, Young needed 27%. So for a wing, maybe 23 And then Young needs 30%. So let's just do the usage map for a second, given the current lineup. And everyone's ideal usage. So if Young's ideal usage is a 30 Murray's, let's, let's say, like closer to 24. We're already at 54, 55. Murray's probably about a 25 if he's a wing, 27. 57, 55. That means Hunter, I think, needs to be at least 20. Right? Um, Hunter needs to be at least 20, so now we're at 75. And then Collins needs to be at least 20. Now we're at 95. Even if you pro down that at 90, Capella needs at least 15 or over 100. So you need to sort of get these guys. You need to get Young 30. You need to get Murray's 27 because those are really your better offensive talents. And ideally, you get Collins closer to 23, and you get Hunter closer to 23. The math doesn't work out with all of them. in the starting to lineup together is my point. Okay? It, it, it just doesn't. We acknowledge this. So – and then on defense, Collins is actually best suited to be um, your worst. He probably he's probably better off being your worst offensive. Sorry, your worst defensive player. The problem that Atlanta has with, with Collins is Collins' defense gets uh, exposed more because of Trey Young. Because Trey Young is so weak on D, then Collins needs to compensate for him, and Collins can't compensate for anybody, and it's just, it's a bad domino. Right? So you kind of want to separate Young and Collins because of defense. You don't want them on the same unit together. It's going to be too bad defensively. You obviously they have to play together a little bit, but I think you want to maximize the amount of time they're separate. Okay. And then you probably want Young and Hunter together, and you want Collins and Murray together because Young and Murray don't work as well. And Hunter and Collins don't work as well. And you can kind of see now how these sort of these dominoes play out. Right, it doesn't mean they can't be in units together ever if you want to maximize the units that are apart. right? And then Capella and Akungo, let's not get confusing, is more or less interchangeable. The one nuance I would say is, Akungo actually probably needs a little more usage than Capella. Capella doesn't need much usage. Akungo probably closer to 15, probably 17. Capella closer to 14. right? Not a big difference, but Akungo has some playmaking abilities in the high post. You want to take advantage of that as well. So now when we do this, let's look deeper at the rotation. Let's talk about Bogdanovich, talk about A.J. Griffin to kind of round this out. So Bogdanovich, who's slated to come off the bench, is a spacer, but he's also a weak defender. He's a better defender for his position, big asterisk, than Young and Collins. But he shouldn't be worse than, he could be the second worst defender in a unit. If he's, you know, second worst or the worst, that's kind of okay. And then A.J. Griffin's another guy to look at. A.J. Griffin is actually a good defender. Great. So he's another plus defender, and you don't necessarily, right, he helps with a Murray and uh, Capella or Kungo. So you kind of want, so um, the the goal of this is really to figure out, right, you need one of Capella and Kungo, you need one of younger Murray, and you need one of Hunter or Collins. And then you basically want to fit the rest around And then space for the other guys too. Griffin is a great space, great 3 and D guy, at least that potential. So let's play it out. So the actual more ideal lineup, and the Hawks would never do this. They would never do this. And also, I want to be very clear. Just because you start this mean you get 35 minutes. All of the guys, the starters that I mentioned, those five guys, still would get around 33, 30 minutes. And the backups I noted would still get like closer to 25, 28. So the minutes still work. It's just how you place them so they're maximizing the units. So actually, if I'm Atlanta, they would never do this, I want to caveat, but I would do this. I would start. I would probably go Murray, Bogdanovich, A.J. Griffin, Collins, Capella to start, and then go Young, um, Hunter, and Akungo off the bench, with obviously Young and Hunter getting, you know. Young would actually still get 35 minutes. I know it sounds insane, right? But that's how I would do it. And I could close... I could close with my five most talented guys. I think you want to close with that, which is, again, the starting lineup. The starting lineup should basically flip to the ending lineup, if you will. That's what I'm basically doing here. I'm basically switching it. And then I'm, I'm creating the first, second, or third quarters to get everyone warmed up, if you will, and then, you know, getting people confident going into the fourth quarter. So I would still end with young um, Murray, Hunter, Collins, Capella, and, or maybe flip in, I don't know. Um you know, A.J. Griffin or whoever instead of Capella because maybe you want offense, you know, with the, with the Capella piece maybe changing at the end game, but you get the point. But that's how you flip it. I bring that up because GMs don't think that way, or not GMs, coaches don't, and they just start their five best guys, right? Or, or they peg them into positions. And there's a point I want to bring up about the Cleveland Cavaliers that we should learn from. So there's certain teams that just peg guys in positions we talked about, but really you would just want to have a mix of you know, shot creation for yourself or others. You know, can you play and make for yourself or others? We talk about this all the time. Ability to shoot and flexibility defensively. Your unit should have all three of those components, right? Every unit you play you should have all three of those. So, look at any other team; they don't do that. Um, and Cleveland, which was a supposed to be a bad team, did well by going against the great. Why? Because they actually did that. They, they made sure they fit those three things. That's why Laurie Markkinen started, even though he's considered a four or five. And he starts at the three, and people are like, what? But then offensively, by and starting, I still now get shooting with Garland in there. I get enough shooting. I have enough playmaking now with Garland. Probably a little over-reliance on Garland, but fine. And then defensively, Allen and Mobley, as long as they could defend wings, it works. You can have centers playing small forward, et cetera. I bring it up because I go to the Orlando Magic, who are now a case study to they could follow what Cleveland did. They probably won't, but they should. Orlando's an interesting case. I'll explain why. First, everyone's out of position. They're trying to force their five guys that, they, that they, they're the most talented. So they are likely going to start Cole Anthony, um, Jalen Suggs, Wagner, um, Paolo Boncaro, and Wendell Carter Jr. That's their likely starting five. What they should do is start Suggs, Isaac, Wagner, Boncaro, Wendell Carter Jr. So I completely eradicated their backcourt. Why? I'll explain. So Suggs, first of all, you drafted the guy to be a point guard. And you played him at shooting guard. You know, I we get knocked from position, you know, I, uh, Wagner can't play the two. Suggs can't play the two either. Why is he playing the two? He never played the two before. That's actually a really different position. Okay? Again, the NBA, if you want to do complexity positions, it's actually like point guard, you know, let's call it wing, and then big. And they made Suggs, who never played a wing, they forced him into a wing slot. And honestly, right, not fair to Suggs. So, you draft the guy high, let's see what he can do. So, right off the bat, point one, I want Suggs at point guard. Right? We play pick and roll him a little bit more. He could be that George Hill type off-the-ball guy, he could be better than that. You gotta test him at point guard. Okay? That means Cole Anthony comes off the bench. The Isaac point's big because he could defend Wings really, really well. Your options instead now, if I put Cole Anthony, now Suggs's defense as a one isn't so prowess at the two. And Cole Anthony's a disaster defensively. So I just got way worse defensively if I have Anthony and Suggs, way better with Isaac in there. Okay? But now Eitan, I don't have enough shooting. Great. That's so when Vagner comes in. He, even though, you know, he plays the Laurie Market in here a little bit, probably a better, better spot for him. Vagner plays the three really well, right? Maybe even plays the two offensively, whatever that means. And, and you use him in his shooting prowess. Now still does his thing. Now he gets to have his usage. It works well. And then Carter Jr. is a two-way five who could shoot a little bit space. So it, it flows really, really well. And we're not forcing positions, which is another part of the starting five fouls. Now, look, you can tell me I, I totally negated my whole rotation thing. Well, Orlando, a lot of teams, Orlando is at a category of riches, where they need to figure out how the pieces they currently have fit together. Orlando, in my opinion, needs to do one step at a time. They're so bad, you know. They need to just get their top five, that just get a core unit that works well together, that fits, and then get the rest of free agency and trade and figure that part out, right? And that's what i do with our uh, if I was Orlando, and I would have, uh, you know, I would still have Cole Anthony um, off the bench. Now look. You can make it fit more for Orlando, make a really clean swap, where you could have, let's call it Gary Harris starting at the two, and Suggs is still the one, okay? Now, what that does is, that allows Isaac now to easily come in off the bench, so you have Cole, Isaac, let's say Bamba, um, as a clean eight-man rotation, maybe throw a little Kiki in there, right? Fultz is out of the rotation. If you do that eight-man rotation, now Cole Anthony is the Trey Young in this scenario, he can still you know, have a ton of minutes, but be that scoring punch. And now he's with Isaac coming off the bench. It works. Isaac's then a great defender, and then Bamba plays a little 5-4, and, and that whole flow works, even for a bad team. So that Harris at the 2 actually kind of works then, because he's masked a little bit in that starting 5, right? He, he's the worst or second-worst defender. Um, that's that's 5 for him, right? But if you have Cole Anthony, you, you need to have Isaac. And then if you have those two... You know, where sucks playing, and it's just bad loop. So that's what, like, if Orlando even done that, that's already an increase in wins. And just tighten the rotation, too. Like, you know, you don't need to play everybody, even if you're a bad team. I know you want to try out guys. You don't need to. Or they don't, you, as a team, you want to figure out, you know, your first goal is to get into the 7-8 the rotation lane, in my opinion, because you only need to play eight guys in an NBA game. You could play more. You definitely need to play at least eight, but get the eight, Right? And then the same thing in the playoffs. So just the, the last three play a little less. But that that's that's how you're going I, t- I went through a good team example. This is a bad team example. We could do this all day, right? You know, like Chicago's another good one, right? They have too many offense in that starting five, not enough defense. Pretty simple. So why... why like, you can't max Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic all at the same time. It just doesn't work. They're not additive. These pieces don't complement the way you think. You can have two out of three. So if you just ran a rotation where you're constantly having two out of three, You know, then it works. And you can replace one of them with Caruso, who's more of a defender, right? You know, keep swapping, and A-O, right? I think you want to have A-O with Vooch because Vooch is a weak defender. A-O is a good defender. And then Patrick Williams, Javante Green, or D- Derrick Jones Jr. So, again, the, the class exam for Chicago is basically just split up those top three. That's it. Maybe make Levine a sixth man. And if if more teams went that route, it, it, it would work, right? Um and, and team and players need to embrace it. Players need to embrace, like, just because you're not starting doesn't mean it's all over. You're still getting the same minutes and you're probably closing the game. So like the numbers shouldn't be different. But as a team, now you have guys like a Zach Levine, like a Trey Young, who would annihilate most teams you know, let's say end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter rotation, you can actually dominate those times because now you have Young, you know, trying to, um, you know, easily sift through. But look, it's a copycat league, so obviously if one team did it, um, a lot of these guys would probably copy. But yeah, definitely the flow that's necessary and, um, you know, works works for... Um, uh, would work would work quite well